chapter 25, Spilling Exodus. Um, this is one of those chapters that a lot of people skip over because it's just building instructions. But I wanted to cover it, just like I'm going to cover all of it. So, uh, take an offering from everyone whose heart is stirred. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, and then this other skin that is red and we don't, it's like a dyed red skin and it is most likely a dugong, which is a type of manatee, or there are three types of manatees as the dugong class, or a dolphin, or possibly a badger or antelope. So that gives you kind of the, the range. Most likely it is a manatee of some kind because that's what they use in, uh, in Egypt for skins and that kind of fits with some words that are similar in Egyptian and other places. So, uh, acacia wood, oil, spices for the anointing oil, uh, and gemstones for the ephod and breastplate. Um, and there to make a sanctuary for me. So this is where I went kind of into a long rabbit hole. I ended up doing a whole word study uh, on sanctuary because I looked at sanctuary and it had an interesting... So the root word for for this word is another word that I wanted to look at. And so I ended up doing some investigation on these four related words and there's probably others that go into this whole umbrella. But the way that Hebrew words work is that there's a, a set of consonants and then you can change the vowels, and they have um, they have different different meanings, but they're within the same family of words. And so these words are all related and connected, but they're used in different ways, and they they have their own individual meanings, but they're connected. So this word sanctuary um, is also a sacred place, and it's uh, mikdash. And so um, this is actually first used in Exodus 15, um, in Moses's song of deliverance. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, in the place where you make your residence, Yahweh, the sanctuary, Yahweh, um, that your hands have established. Wait a minute. I don't think there's Yahweh twice. I think that's a different word. That's what I get for copying and pasting translations. Um, let, them, let them construct a sanctuary or a, a sacred place that I will dwell. And, and that... Uh, sanctuary, sacred place. It's, we're going to flesh that out a little bit. Um, so that word is taken from the root word, Kodesh. And I was like, Kodesh. Oh, I know that word. That word is holy. So a holy place. And so um, there's, there's actually three words that are almost the same. There's Kodesh, Kadosh, and Kadash. There might be others, but these are the three that I ran across. And they're, they're the same uh, same consonants with just a little bit different on the, uh, um, on the vowels and how they're used. Uh, so the noun, apartness or sacredness, is interesting because in a lot of our English translations, it, it's just, we just throw it in as if it was an adjective anyway. And so... You're standing on holy ground. It's describing the ground. 
um, the make a holy Sabbath. It's a it's describing the Sabbath. But those are actually the noun form. Um, so not all of them are used that way in English. So we have this thing, uh, majestic in holiness, awesome in power, uh, a veil between the holy. So then, well, sorry, this is the other category. So in English, a lot of times to make it a noun, we add place or thing on the end. So if you have a holy, yeah, like the, like, uh, take care of the holy things. Um, it's actually one word, take care of, take care of the kadosh, or kadesh. Um, and in this one, it's the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies. So that's actually, there's no word place in there. It's uh, a veil between the kodesh and the kodesh. Um, it's basically kodesh, kodesh, but there's other prefixes and things on there that make it of holies and plural. So. So there's no there's no word pl for place. It's that's the that's the word that's the noun. And then there's the adjective form of kodesh, which is kadosh, which is sacred or holy. And this is the this is what the one that we're probably most familiar with because it's um, a holy place, a holy nation. I am holy. It's describing words of other things. And then there's kadash, which is the verb form of kodesh. To be set apart or consecrated, um, and and this is the one that's not translated as holy in most translations. It's usually it's it's uh, set apart the people, consecrate the Sabbath, the garments. Uh, these are garments to consecrate him. Um, so that's the same word as holy. So holy the people, um, holy the Sabbath. The garments are to holy him. But they just have three different ways of saying the same word in different, you know, to indicate how it's being used. So that's Kodesh and Mikdash, Mikdash, which is the sanctuary. So it's this, this idea of a set apart holy place, uh, which is not the same as saying uh, just Kodesh, which is holy, a holy thing or holy place. It's a specific, a sanctuary. It's a place that is holy, as opposed to just, I don't know. I don't really know the difference between that, actually. Oh, that's separate them. That's okay. We'll move along. So, then we have instructions for making the ark. Um, and the ark is, um, well, in my translation, it gave to me in inches, but it's like two and a half cubits by one and a half cubits. Um, four rings and two poles. Um, the poles are to stay in the rings at all times, which was odd because why, why wouldn't they just make it one piece? They have technology to do that. Um, and I think it's because if they're not actually connected, then it makes it so that it's still separate, so that when, when a human touches it, it still shows that there's a separation between that and the real thing. Um, and, then, and then there's the covering. So the covering, I, I thought it was really cool that it said that it you know, then make the mercy seat. And it talked all you know, the mercy seat this and the mercy seat that. Um, the cherubim will be on top, you know, affixed to the mercy seat and facing the mercy seat. And um, 
I, and I looked it up after the fact. I had all my notes saying mercy seat, mercy seat, mercy seat. And then when I looked it up, I realized that mercy seat is actually what they call the thing that was made. That's actually not what the words mean. The word just means covering. Not like, not necessarily uh, covering like a lid on a, a physical thing. Because like the word lid um, is in English, it's just for the thing. But covering means more. So covering is actually where they end up with the idea of the, the place of mercy, which is the seat of mercy. It's where mercy sits, not where Yahweh sits. So when I, when I read mercy seat, I think like a throne, like it's a seat that somebody sits at. But this is um, the, the covering, like the covering of sin. So it's actually um, the translation that the you know, word for word translation is the propitiation, which is a big word for to pay for somebody else. So this word is actually taken from the root word of um, uh, kofar, which is um, which is actually the same word that's used for bribe and the price of a life and ransom and commoners villages which is like a secondary use. Like, so, because the, the these little tiny villages were a covering over the land. And so, commoner villages were a covering as well. So, a bribe covers over something. The price of a life is the covering of a life. It covers for them. It's a ransom. It's a payment. And so, that's what this was. Is it was a covering over their sin and a covering over um, uh, paying for their debt and it was also literally a covering over the top of the ark so yeah I was, I was surprised by that um, so then he's and then he was given the instruction put the testimony the the which is usually the word referring to the Ten Commandments um, I, with that I will give you put that in there and then we find out later that Aaron's staff goes in there and um, the manna, they have a jar of manna that they saved, that goes in there. I will meet with you above the covering, and I will speak to you from there. Then there's instructions on making a table. It also has rings and poles, um, plates, cups, pitchers, bowls for drink offerings. And the bread of the presence will be at the table at all times. We haven't had instructions about the bread of the presence yet. And then the lampstand, and there's this lampstand that has a branch, and it, it has six branches and a bunch of cups, and it talks about where these different, like, cup blossom things are supposed to be, bulbs or knobs, and um, and where they come out of the shaft, and how many are this side. And then it says on top, you put seven lamps, and the lamps need to illuminate forward, so they point in it, it's a directional thing. It's not just fires on top of these little things because we think lamp has like a little candle on top but their lamps were actually like you'd hold one side and it had like a spout on the other side where the oil was or the wick the wick and the oil was inside and so these were directional and so they pointed toward um toward the table toward the holy of holies so that's how much gold to use and then um and then Yahweh says, be careful to make everything according to the model that you were shown on the mountain. So that that means that 
it's, it's visually shown. It's like with the eyes of seeing. So not only did he get verbal instruction, I always imagine he just got verbal instruction. Like he was like scribbling stuff down real quick or trying to remember all the, all the, all the measurements and everything else. But he actually saw it like a model there, there on the mountain. According to the pattern that you were shown, the model, the visual representation. So he was up there, and he actually saw God's actual design for the temple. And then he had to communicate that with the set of rules and working with the craftsmen as they made these things. And I can only imagine how frustrating that must be to to remember a thing that God made. And then to try and try and communicate that and get somebody else to do that is just that's gotta be so frustrating. And like I just like if I, I imagine it would be like if I if I like saw something that was made by a craftsman in a store and then I went home and I tried to explain to my kids how to make it, even if they were very skilled children. That it would, it would pale in comparison because the craftsmanship that God has is just so much more than what we have. And and he actually got to see that model. That's interesting. And I like it. It shows the separation, the apartness, the holiness of Yahweh. And I think that's a good reminder.